Three or four years ago, I, uh, I got brave one day, and I thought that I would write and uh, preach a series of messages on hot-button issues. I'd, I'd thought about that for a long, long time, and uh, I finally said, man, we're going to do that, and uh, dealing with some, some hot, you know, kind of button things with morality and kind of almost like the elephant in the room, things that, you know, everybody's thinking, but nobody really wants to say, and so I, I developed a, a plan on this series, and I showed it to our elders in a meeting, said, guys, I'm thinking about doing this, and uh, they said, good for you, man. Um, we, we need to tackle tough topics once in a while and see where God speaks to us on those, and so um, they, were, they were happy with that, and so I put this series together that some of you will remember called Can I? And I, I brought the old graphic that we had there, and some of y'all might remember that. And I, I picked topics that Christians, okay, Christians genuinely wonder, you know, can I do that? You know, what does the Bible say? What is the direction here? And sometimes we just don't know who to ask those things to because they're so kind of sensitive. And so I just said, man, we're going to do this. And so we picked three messages from that series. Can I get a divorce? Can I drink alcohol? Can I choose my own sexual expression? And so um, for about three weeks around here, we walked around and we're asking the question, can I? Can I? And, um, and Christians need to, to know that stuff. They need to know where the Bible stands on certain things like that. So as the date got closer uh, to actually preaching those, uh, something came up in the schedule of our church, and I've tried to remember that, and I'm, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it forced me to postpone the series, and so I kind of took it off the plate, and I shared that uh, with our elders, and I said, I'm going to take it off the plate, and I'll, I'll put it on next year, and so next year we will do that, and we'll get it taken care of. And so the next year it came along, and I'd had it all planned out, you know, for probably 18 months now. And, um, and then I started not feeling good about it, you know. I don't know if I wanted to, you know, bring something that divisive, and I just didn't feel good. And so I pushed it off again, and I shared with our elders, I'm just not having a good feeling about that. And so the next year, I put it on there again, and I shared with our elders, I've got it again this year. And uh, one of my elders said, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said, and he wasn't quite this blunt, but it was close. He said, are you actually going to do it this time, or are you going to chicken out again? And uh, that was the motivation I needed uh, to jump into that, and it was actually received uh, pretty well. It really was. And um, it simply affirmed for me again, I've said this to you over and over my brother Neil said it a couple weeks ago, what an honor it is to preach at Eastside Christian Church because you guys love the Word of God. You love the Word of God. And so we love to preach it, and so it went pretty good. It went all right, and uh, the church responded really well to it. Now, about a month after that series was over, um, this Can I question mark series, about a month later, I was in a meeting and uh, the meet, we, have, we have a meeting before every worship service here about an hour before, and uh, we meet and go over the details of our service, and I was in that meeting, 
And it's about a month after that this series happened. And there was this guy in the meeting. There's usually, you know, a dozen or so people there, 12, 15 people. And uh, there was a guy in this meeting that I had never seen before, a young man. And that's not entirely different because we have new people all the time. And so I didn't know him. But he had a T-shirt with bold letters on the front that said, I can. And that struck me. I mean, we'd spent three weeks with this really hard stuff, you know. Can I get a divorce? Can I drink alcohol? Can I do whatever I want sexually? Can we do that? And this dude shows up with a shirt that says, I can. (laughs) And I thought, who is this guy? And so I, I asked one of our people, I said, who is that dude? And it turned out that he is from one of our sister churches up in Corridon, First Christian Church, and um, First Capital Christian up there, and uh, he's on their tech team. And uh, he was going to come down here, and he was going to kind of shadow our tech people and kind of learn some things here. And so this guy was here kind of learning from us, and I thought, oh, okay, that's who he is. And I thought, but why is he wearing that shirt? I mean, why would he wear that here? What kind of punk would do that? And I found out he didn't know anything about the Can I series, and he just showed up with, yeah, I can, I can, I can do that. And what I found out in the discussion of that, the reason I'm mentioning that is because his church, First Capital Christian Church, was beginning at that time to produce their own movie. And that's what's kind of really interesting about that particular church is they have a section of their church that produces real movies. And so they were beginning the process of putting a faith-based, faith-based movie together, and the title of the movie was I Can. And we did a series called Can I? And it was just kind of strange that it happened there at the same time. And so that movie... That is an incredible movie about a a young lady who was born without an arm who becomes a a crazy softball player and how their family had to work through issues related to that. And they began to produce that movie. And that movie this weekend is going live. It is on uh, 150 theaters around America. It's in 40 states, and it's happening right here in Jeffersonville at the Escape Theater. It's happening this weekend, a full slate of 15 shows that are given this weekend. And just so you know, I've got 30 free tickets to it tonight. Okay, so if you want to get some of those tickets, when we're done, if you leave for them preaching, we ain't going to give it to you, okay? But they're back at the guest point. We've got, I think, 10 of them for tomorrow night, Saturday night at 7. I think we have 20 tickets for a Saturday at, 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 at 7 o'clock. And so go back there and grab you some free tickets. I think they're 12, 15 bucks a piece, so you can get them for free. And you can go watch the movie, I Can, which made fun of our series, Can I, okay? Now, if you go, And even if you don't get one of our free ones, man, I hope you go. It is a great movie. Our management team was allowed to see a pre-showing of it. And so it's a great movie, a great great thing for you to do this weekend. If you go, I want you to pay attention to a lady named Amanda Verkamp. And I brought a picture of Amanda. And I want to tell you about Amanda. Amanda is a normal lady, just a regular old person who's living up in Corridon, who's a member of the church up there. 
She used to sing on their worship team, just like we have up here. She would help lead worship as one of the volunteers. She's just a regular person in the church. And the church made an announcement that they had a staff opening. They were looking for a custodian. And so Amanda thought, well, I can do that. And she applied for the job, and she was hired to clean their church. And so she was a custodian in the church, just a regular person to help keep the place clean. And they made an announcement, they're going to they're do this movie thing. And she thought, well, I might, I might jump into that and check that out. And she auditioned, and she became and received the leading role of the mother of this young softball player. And when you watch the movie, you will be blown away by this lady's acting ability. It is absolutely unbelievable. And in reality, she's just a custodian in a little church in southern Indiana. And I was speaking to Tyler, Past, Tyler uh, Sansom, who's the pastor of that church, who directed the movie, and I said, Tyler, I don't think it's a coincidence that on the weekend that I'm gonna be preaching about Christians taking their faith out into the world, that on that weekend, your movie goes live that features a custodian in your church who's now a movie star. Now, what that does not mean is that if you listen to this message, you're going to become a movie star. That's not what it means. But here's what I am saying, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, God expects you to take your faith outside this building and influence a world that desperately needs the hope that you have. That is expected of you as a child of God. And here's a young lady who did it in an incredible way. Now, as many of you know, we're in a series right now about doing that. We're talking about taking our city. We're talking about getting out into the world and claiming these communities around us as our own. That's what it means to take our city. And what we mean by that is that we're not just this pretty little church on Veterans Parkway that gets together on Thursday nights and has fun with music. That's not who we are. We wanna take our city. We wanna take the city. We wanna influence values. We wanna influence behaviors. We wanna impart the character of God into a culture that has forgotten God. We want to claim our city. We wanna claim despair and get rid of it and put hope in charge. We wanna help more people get to heaven and less people get to hell. We want to claim our city. That's who we are. And so how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, if you've been with us, you know the, the gist of this whole series is let's learn how they did it in the Bible when the church very first began in Jerusalem. Because when you open up your Bible, starting in Acts chapter 2, going through Acts chapter 7, that six-chapter section right there, you find out how they took Jerusalem, how they took it. And he'd been with us for a couple weeks. You know that we've talked about the general foundational things they did, the first two things. Look at them here, just kind of relive the last couple weeks. Number one, they became players. 
They became players. A player is a person who is overcome with conviction of what Jesus has done for them. And man, they have turned their life around to model him and obey him and glorify him with all their life. That's a player, okay? That is a player. And those players then build a team and are devoted to that team called the church. So that's the last two weeks. Now, what we found out is that those things happen in chapter two, and then in chapter three, that's when they got busy. That's when things started happening. And what they did, don't miss this, they took their faith, this is so important, they took their faith that was developed in the church, in other words, right here, me and you, Those of us in this room who are players, man, we're players because we know what he did on the cross and we've given our life to him and we're devoted to this place. Watch this. They took that faith, that faith, and they got it outside the walls. They got it outside the temple. They went beyond who they were right here and they got out into the world of darkness and they started to influence the world. And so for you and I right now, when we think about that, we're gonna find out how that occurred in chapters three, four, and five. So everybody with me? Chapter two, they became players and they built a team that they were devoted to. And then tonight we're gonna see in chapters three, four, and five, how they got out into the community. Now I know what some of y'all thinking. Hastings, I've heard you preach for 45 minutes on one verse. Dude, if you're going to cover three chapters, we're going to be here till Halloween, okay? But we're not going to do that, okay? We're just going to pick some some big ticket things that happened in those three chapters that I want to show you about. So the summary of these three chapters, chapter 3, 4, and 5 in Acts, it comes down to this. And if you, you get this all figured out, then you understand Acts chapter three, four, and five. Here it is. Every day, opportunities present themselves for normal people to shine Jesus in a dark world. In chapters three, four, and five, that's what it teaches right there. Now, what I'd like to do is I wanna take that statement, I'm gonna build on that all evening, okay? I wanna take that particular statement and I wanna kinda dive into it and I wanna show you the the passages of scripture where that comes up. So let's start with these first two words there, every day. Let's start with those for a second. You open up your Bible, you go to Acts chapter two, you read everything we talked about the last couple of weeks, okay? They became players devoted to the team, okay? That's chapter two. And there is, and don't lose me, you're gonna need to think about this for a second for me. There is an abrupt move from chapter two to chapter three. It is so abrupt that some scholars think we're, we're missing some words there from the end of chapter two and the start of chapter three. We're missing some transition stuff there because it's so abrupt. So let me show you chapter three, verse one. Let's look at it. It says this. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. So that's chapter three, verse one. Now what's kind of strange about that a little bit is that when you look at that, the words one day right here, those words right there, 
those are not in the original writing of Luke. They're not there. They were added. And really what happens is chapter two ends with this. And God adds to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the end of chapter two. Here's chapter three. Peter and John were going up to the temple. And it's almost like, did we lose something in there? There's no transition. You know, we go from the temple and all these people coming and then Peter and John cruising over to the temple to pray. And it's almost like there's nothing there. And so what Bible translators do, don't miss me. I know, I know this is kind of deep right now, but, but hang with me. What Bible translators do are places in the Bible where it appears that it's a little rough transition and maybe we're missing a word or two, they will add things in there that help us understand the intent of the author. And what the Bible translators did is they added this, this phrase, now one day, okay, so chapter two, they're becoming players, man. They're devoted to the team. God's bringing all these people. That's chapter two. Then chapter three, where Peter says, now, now one day, one day, one day, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. Now, the easy thing to think about that and the whole idea of why the one day was added there is because when Luke wrote in the Bible, he often highlighted things that happened on the Sabbath day. So on the Sabbath day, this happened. On the Sabbath day, that happened. What Luke is probably telling us here that the translators have tried to help us understand is that what was happening here was not the Sabbath day. That's important. It was not their worship day. We don't, we don't know which of the other six days it was, but it was not the Sabbath. It was another day for you and I. For you and I, let's apply that. It was not Thursday. It was not Sunday. It was another day in the week. Now, why is that important? Why is that such a big deal for you and I? The reason that is such a big deal, why it is critical for you and I to understand is because the first thing that I want you to understand as we go through this study is that God expects us to live our faith, watch this, on another day rather than this day that your faith is not a Thursday faith. Your, your faith is a seven-day faith, you see? It's seven days. And if we're gonna take our city, gang, and I want you to hear this, and you know, man, I'm so passionate about this series, that if we really wanna take our city, if we really wanna do that, watch this, it won't be done by Christians here on Thursday. And it won't happen by Christians gathering in a building on Sunday. That's not when it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen on another day. In other words, do you live your faith outside the walls of this church? As we study the Jerusalem church, take their city, it is critically important that we understand that they lived their faith beyond the Sabbath. And you and I have to live as Christians beyond Thursday, beyond Sunday. Is anybody, is anybody catching this, okay? See, I, I think that's another definition of a player. 
And I know we've been kind of pointed about this and, and kind of clear about this. We've suggested that players are people who really understand their personal involvement in the cross, that I had a role in putting Jesus to death, and that grips me so much that I've turned my life all into his control, and I'm devoted to his family. That's a player. And, and if, if, if that stuff isn't who you are, and you're just going through the motions, we've kind of boldly claimed it to be an imposter. That God has called us to be players, man. We're all in. I got a, uh, a text the other day from one of our life groups here in our church, and um, it's a pretty new life group. It just started. It's got some young couples in it, and they sent me a picture of uh, all of them in the kitchen of one of their homes that were meeting that night, and they were all kind of cheesing and doing a selfie, and they sent me a picture of that, and then they hashtagged it this way. Why don't you see this? Hashtag, no imposters here, and I love that, okay? I love that. I said, you mean you're players? And they said, yeah, we're players. Now watch this. Here's another definition of a player. Now listen, listen. A player lives their faith Every day. Imposters live their faith on one day. You see the difference? And so how did they take the city? How did that happen? How can that happen here in Jeffersonville? The only way that happens is if players understand we gotta get out of this building on days other than when we gather together and that's where we live our faith. Now you take that concept and you go back to our, our summary and let's look at it. So every day, we already dealt with that, watch this, opportunities present themselves. And what I mean by that, when you look at the story, is that when you are living your faith outside this building on days other than when we gather here, if you keep your eyes open, and there are, there are a few very spiritually deep people in this room right now because I know who you are. And so when I say this, you're gonna know what I'm talking about and feel free to shout hallelujah, amen, let's go home, whatever, okay? When, when you are a player and you are living your faith outside the walls of the temple, God will present to you opportunities to influence a dark world. Am I right? Those opportunities will come to you. And so you keep your radar open at all the time when you're out of here. God, where do you want me? What do you want me to do? Where do you need me? Your radar is always open. And so we go back to this story in chapter three and it happened to them. We know that they are on the way to the temple to pray. That was the custom of Jewish people. They would pray three times a day. So the third prayer is about three o'clock in the afternoon and they are on the way to the temple. They're gonna pray at three o'clock. They're just kind of doing normal stuff they do every single day. They're just doing the prayer, man. Going to the temple and doing the prayer. And God presents an opportunity. Look at the second verse of chapter three. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, which was a gate right into the temple area, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, watch this. So I'm Peter, okay? I'm John. 
And we're just cruising in the temple like we do every day at 3 o'clock. Going to do a prayer, going to go home, doing our thing. And we go across this, this cat sitting here who's asking us for money. And Peter and John stop at that moment because this might be an opportunity, okay? How many times that happened to you when you're on the way to the grocery store or you're on the way to the mall or you're going to the ball field or you're picking the kids up at school and you go by somebody asking for money? And so Peter and John stop and God implants within them a supernatural ability to heal him. Dude, they were, they were just cruising to go do the prayer thing, and now they're in a healing service. And they heal this guy, and everybody's watching, and now all these crowds show up. And, and Peter starts to preach to this big crowd of people. He didn't know he was going to do that. Man, they were just going to go pray, and then they were going to go over here to McDonald's and have a, a shake or something. And now he's preaching to this whole crowd, and there's a lot of people who got baptized, just like they did in chapter 2. And then the authorities heard about it, and they showed up and arrested him. And now he's cuffed, heading in, and said, man, I'm just going to pray. And now he's getting arrested, and they stayed all night long. And then the next morning, they brought him before the authorities, and he took the opportunity to preach Jesus to the authorities. And then they said, well, we really ain't got nothing on you. And so they let him go. And they go back to the house where a lot of the believers are. And Peter says, dude, you ain't going to believe what just happened to me. We were just going to go pray. Can I, can I say this to you? That God gives opportunities like that to players all the time. And most of the time we just miss it. We didn't even see it there. And somehow if we're gonna take our city, and man, I'm really viewing this this weekend. I'm trying not to go off the rails here on this. I'm really viewing this as God putting me in a position as a coach to our team. And I'm saying, hey, if we really wanna take the city, okay, and we got to open our eyes to the opportunities that God gives us to influence the dark world when we're out of this building. We got to see that. We got to train ourselves to think that. I wake up in the morning, I'm going to work, you know, and I'm looking for when it's going to happen. And Peter's going to pray at three o'clock. He's just looking, there's a guy. Have you learned to train yourself that way? My wife used to, um, many, many years ago, worked at this medical facility, and um, it was a pretty large medical practice, and there were a lot of people that worked there who were not Jesus lovers. And one of the signs of that was their language, and it drives her crazy. I mean, I don't like bad language, but my wife loses her mind. She just cannot deal with it. And so she went to work one day, and she told everybody works there, which is unusual for her to take kind of the lead like that. And she brought this jar, and she said, we now have a swear jar. And when you use a word that you would not say to your grandmother's face, it's going to cost you a quarter. And so whenever somebody cussed in that place, it became a joke. Oh, you got to go put money in Susan's swear jar. 
And, you know, it became a funny thing, but everybody there got the message. Everybody got the message of faith being lived. And it worked out good for her because she bought her snacks from that, okay? So you cuss, I get a Snickers bar. Works out there for, for everybody here. Always look what opportunities do I have to take my Christian influence. We got a guy in our church named Joe. I'm not going to call him out, but a lot of you people know him. He gets his gas at one place at a gas station. He loves to go there. The reason he loves to go to that one particular gas station is because he got to know the owner of the gas station. And the owner was not uh, born and raised in our country. He's from a different country. And so this all stuff is kind of different, new to him. And he doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't understand any of that stuff. But my friend Joe has become a buddy of his. And over time, uh, Joe has told him about his church and he's told him about Jesus, and this guy's kind of interested in all that, and Joe's actually prayed for that guy's family. And, he's, and, the, and the guy has told Joe, he goes, maybe someday I can work to where I don't have to work on a Sunday, and I'd like to come to church with you. And, and he goes, but I can't do that right now, but I'd like to do that someday. And so this guy will say to Joe, will, will you put this money, will you take this money, because you guys are doing a good thing, will you take this money? And this guy gives Joe money all the time. He gave him a $100 bill one day, he gave him a $50 bill the other take that to your church, take that to your church. And because I know Joe, it's probably going to date when that guy's going to be baptized. But until then, <laughs> we'll just keep taking his money. Okay, we'll keep taking his money. And it is observing of the opportunities that God puts into my life. And so the question is, where it really comes down to the, the nuts and bolts is for you and I to kind of play with that and ask, do, do I do that? Really, do I do that? If you had to think about the last week or two of your life, did you take your Christian influence and did you see opportunities around you and did you do anything with it? Man, I can't tell you how many school teachers I know who look for ways to touch children and families with the love of Jesus because they see those opportunities and understand it. I know people who've gotten into politics because they wanted an opportunity to represent God's agenda where it really matters. I know doctors who pray with their patients before they perform surgeries. I know business leaders who have Bible studies before their workday begins. I know homeowners who've invited neighbors in their area to come over dinner to get to know them and eventually maybe infiltrate their life with Jesus. The opportunities are endless. But has that ever happened with you? Has it ever happened with you? And I just, want, I just want to be bold and say this to you. If we take our city here, I mean, really, if the day comes when Eastside Christian Church has taken over, let me tell you something, it will not be because we got good music. And it will not be because we preach the word of God strongly. It will be because the players infiltrated the community with opportunities that God put in their lives. Y'all follow that? And we gotta figure out how to do that as a church. Now, some of y'all hearing all this and you're thinking, oh, you know, that's googly gawk, you know. So go back to the summary. Let me show you something else in there. Let's go back here and look at it. It says, for normal people, that this will happen for normal people. And I know that some people might hear what I'm talking about right now and think, dude, I'm, I'm not an Amanda Verkamp, okay? That's not me. Um, I never went to Bible college. I'm not a preacher. 
Dave, I, I love what you're saying, but man, that's just not me. Well, can I show you something that they tell us about normal people here? Let's go back to the story, and now we're in chapter four, and Peter spent the night in prison, okay? And now he's talking to the authorities. Him and John been drug out, and it says, when they, the authorities, okay, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. Now, let's play with that for a second. I want you to, I want you to listen to this because it's, it's really kind of cool. If, if you're a person who says, you know, I, I don't think I could ever do that. You know, I'm just kind of a private person. I do my own thing. You know, I'm, I'm not a man of her camp. I'm not Dave Hayes. I can't. I can't do those things. I want you to listen to me. That's Satan talking to you. Peter and John, you remember who they were? Anybody remember? Smelly fishermen. That's who they were. And the translators of the Bible were gentle when they gave us this verse when they called them unschooled and ordinary. They were gentle with those words. Let me tell you what Luke really wrote. Let's put it up there. Called them, we, we translated unschooled. It is the word agramatos. Agramatos is the way you explain it. And what agramatos is, is a person who is a scribe. They would write letters, they would write things down. And grammatos is a person who, who writes words, okay, and writes letters. And when you have the ah in front of it, it means a person who does not write letters. Do you see agramatos? Can you, can you see in there the word grammar? That's where we get a word grammar there. Here's, here's what Luke was saying about agramatos. We put unschooled because it sounds nice. Here, here's what it says about Peter and John. Listen, you think, you think you can't do this. This is what it says about Peter and John. These dudes couldn't even write. Now that's not true because in your Bible we have things that Peter wrote and John wrote, okay? So they can write, we know they can write. What was he doing there? It was a euphemism. It'd be like if you were walking down the mall and you saw Peter and John, you'd go, man, those clowns look like they can't even write, okay? That's who we're talking about. And if you don't think that knocks them down enough, check the next one out, okay? We called them ordinary. That is the word idaotes, idaotes, idaotes. It means not to be an expert, okay? Think of it this way. Professional amateur. Idaotes is amateur, okay? Expert in a field, non-expert, idaotes, okay? That's what it means. You're not an expert. You're not a professional, but you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist here to look at that, and what does that look like? <laughs> Idiots. Idiots who can't write. And you think you can't do it. See, the reality is that God can use any player, any player at all to get out there and to make an impact in their community. Everybody can do that. Nobody is not good enough to do that. He ends the summary statement. We've We've put it in our little box to say this, that every day, we already know what that means, opportunities present themselves, we now know what that means for normal people, that's you, that's me, to shine Jesus in a dark world. 
See, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's our call. That we leave this room, and whatever's going to happen tonight, whatever's going to happen tomorrow, whatever's going to happen for the next six days till we come back, our responsibility is look for opportunities, shine Jesus in a dark world. Let them see Jesus in you. Now, after Luke said they were unschooled and ordinary, they couldn't write and they were like idiots, it says this. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. They might not have been able to write, they weren't experts in anything, but they had something that I want. And if we're gonna take our city, you and I are gonna have to figure out how to do that when we leave this room in a few minutes. And if we can figure it out, then what happened in the book of Acts is gonna happen in our life right here. Now let me end by telling you one of my all-time favorite jokes in the whole world, and this is why it's one of my all-time favorite jokes. Happiest moments in mine and Susan's life right now. If you looked at our life right now and said, what's the happiest times you have? The happiest times, second place, isn't even close. It's when our whole family is together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, when everybody's there in the house together, it's the happiest time of our life, okay? And now at this season, that's harder for that to happen, okay? Everybody's busy, everybody's on the go, everybody lives all over the world, and to get everybody there, it takes a great amount of work. So this is my favorite joke of all time. Guy picks up phone, calls his son. He's son, I gotta tell you something. Your mother and I are getting a divorce. After 45 years, we can't stand the sight of each other anymore. Can't even be in the same room. Can't stand her. She can't stand me. We're getting a divorce. Just want to let you know about it. And I can't even talk about it anymore. I'm so mad about it. So would you call your sister for me? And so he hangs up. Brother calls sister. You ain't going to believe this. Mom and dad's getting a divorce. She said, what? He just called me, told me they're getting a divorce. And she said, that will never happen, okay? You adult daughters, I'll tell you what, you got it going. And that is not gonna happen. And she hangs up and she calls her dad. Dad, I don't know what you're going on, but I'm telling you, you are not gonna divide our family. I don't want you guys to do anything at all. You sit and you behave. And me and my brother are getting on a flight tomorrow, first one in the morning, and we're gonna talk about when we get there. And dad hangs up the phone, looks at his wife, says, well, it worked. Uh, they're coming for Christmas, and they're paying their own way to get here, okay? <laughs> now, <laughs> so what's that have to do with this message? I think it really comes down to this, that you're going to have to figure out how to make that happen. You got to figure it out, whatever it takes when you leave this room in a couple minutes, put your radar up and see where God wants you to influence a dark world. And if enough of us do this, we'll take this city. Father, I thank you for the example of Jerusalem Church. And um, I'm a little embarrassed whenever I study it because, man, I am just not 
at the fire that those guys was. But I, I pray that you'll raise us all up, and I pray that tonight a few of us kind of caught that fire a little bit, and, and we see the emphasis of how you want us to get out of this building and make a difference in, in this dark world. And so would you just create those circumstances this week? Would you make them real clear because we're, we're, we don't always see it? And help us to see what you want us to say, who you want us to say it to, what you want us to do. Put us in those environments. And one by one, day by day, this city will become yours. And I pray that to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.